0: I couldn't resist this sermon series. I confess I love Star Wars, but when I heard about the new episode 7 coming out and its theme, The Force Awakens, it struck me, and I hope from the Holy Spirit, that that's just a fictional story. But that Christmas is actually the story of God awakening. And so that's what we're going to look at over these four weeks. And in some ways, it really is about um, how long you can hope. Uh, Just in general, in life, how are you on that spectrum? Because I think we find that in life, there's some people who can hold out hope forever. We sometimes call them the eternal optimists. They just sort of never give up, and there's others that pretty quickly, and of course they want to see themselves as the grounded realists who say, hey, come on, get in touch with reality, and I thought, you know, there's an easy example we can sort of measure everybody today. How many think the Vikings can win the Super Bowl this year? See, they're eternal optimists, see? See? Well, sometimes we can have fun with that. But we all know that at times in life, it's not just a fun question. It's how long can we hope. Some circumstance we're in, uh, some crisis, something we're waiting for, something we feel that we need. Others, of course, will sit there and say, give it up. It's not going to happen. you got to deal with it. And yet we we, want to hold on to that hope because we realize that that hope itself is something that that carries us, something that holds us up. Even though others may say, come on, you know it's not going to happen. That's not true. That can't happen. The Vikings is a Super Bowl. It'll never happen. And we hear those voices and we wonder. Well, in Star Wars, and none of us have seen it, I mean, Episode 7, it's coming out. And if you have tickets already, I'd like to talk to you. (laughs) But there is a force, and I understand some of you aren't here uh, and love Star Trek, uh, Star Wars. And trust me, we're not going to spend too much time on it, so bear with me. But if you haven't seen the movies, there is this unseen force, this power. And these Jedi Knights who use this power for good. But now with episode 7, there has been a prolonged period when nothing's happened. And the Jedi Knights have been gone, and there's been no force. And, and people are wondering, is there any reason to hope? And they show this in the trailer, and I want you to watch it, and then we're going to talk about Christmas and this hope, Okay. stories about what happened it's true couldn't hear the lines, the girl, Ray, is her name, says, the Jedi, the Force, is it true? And Han Solo comes back and says, yes, they're real. I realize that that's exactly the situation that was occurring in about 4 B.C., But in Star Wars, it had been 30 years. In 4 BC, it had been 400 years. 400 years that God had given some promises, but nothing had happened. There had been no more prophets. There had been no big miracles. Israel had been conquered again and again and again, and was now uh, subject to Rome. And if you come Wednesday night, I think they do an excellent job in the nativity of showing you just how oppressive Rome was in reality. And it was way worse than just seeing a cute centurion on the street corner. Israel was being oppressed. And people were giving up hope. So you can relate 400 years we're talking about Christopher Columbus. When he discovered the U.S. No, he didn't discover the U.S. The Western Hemisphere, how about that? And since then, nothing. And you start to say, God, are you up there? God, are you going to do this? Those promises of God, at times as that hope gets longer and longer, those promises can be tough to hang on to. I want you to look at one of those promises with me. It's over in Isaiah 40, verses 9 through 11. Um, the children read one f- uh, another one. There's dozens of them in the Old Testament. All of these promises that God says, you can count on me. I will come through. I will take care of you. And yet, when nothing happens, people begin to lose hope. Isaiah 40, 9-11. You who bring good news to Zion, another name for Israel, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I would think in 5 B.C., 4 B.C., It was a little bit hard to read that passage if you lived in Israel. Because you'd say, God, where's your power? I'm not seeing your power. I'm seeing the Roman gods and how they seem to be winning. And and I'm not hearing anything from you. And I feel like the shepherd has abandoned us and we're lost sheep. And that's exactly where Israel was. And I take, to, take the time today to talk about that because what about us? This isn't just a historical fact or a, a story out of ancient history. The reality is we all end up there sooner or later, don't we? Where we have some situation, some need... Something we've prayed for repeatedly, again and again. Something we have been waiting on, maybe not just for weeks and months, but maybe years. And we're not hearing anything. We're not seeing anything. That, that circumstance or that person or that situation is just sitting there. And it gets to be hard. Two things happen, neither of them good. One is those of us that are sort of self-motivated start to say, well, forget God, I'll just do it on my own. He obviously doesn't care, so I'm going to fix it. And I stop waiting on God. I stop looking to God, and it is almost a permission for me to start kidding myself that I'm in control, and I've got to fix it. And I run off on my own because I'm not hearing anything from God. And, of course, the other danger is the more obvious one, and that is that we start to feel so alone we give up. We become so discouraged because we're not seeing that answer. It's hard to be faithful. I was thinking, knowing where the sermon was going, that first Christmas song, Oh, come all ye faithful. What that really is saying, Oh, come all those who've not given up hope. And it's hard to do that, isn't it? And that's where that meter starts to be. How how long can you go when God is silent? For some of us, a week is tough, isn't it? And if that gets to be a month, and we're praying, and we're waiting, and we're reading scriptures, and it's like, God, I think you should do this. It looks like you made a commitment here. And then if that month becomes six months, if it becomes a year, and what if it becomes 10 years and 15 years? And we feel like there's some promises there and we're not seeing answers. We start to doubt God, don't we? We start to feel abandoned. We start to question his love, who we are, if he cares for us. If we have any worth that he should care for us, is the problem us? And all those things, Satan begins to just mess with our heads. And we start to lose hope. And that's the great good news of Christmas, because the impossible happens. 400 years of waiting is is over. It's like Han Solo, and I love that phrase in that clip, it's all true. And I think that the the young girl wants it to be true, wants there to be hope, a reason to hope, and he says it's all real. It's all true. And that's what Israel needed. That's what everyday people in the streets of Jerusalem needed to hear that message. And the, the fact of Christmas is that God awakens. And comes out of that 400 years of silence and things start to happen. And I can't imagine what it would have been like to be there When things started to happen. Turn over to Luke 1. There's a couple in here we want to read. First of all, verses 11 through 17. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Zechariah. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he's in the temple all by himself. When Zechariah saw this angel, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power and power of Elijah To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. With that one conversation, behind the curtain in the temple, Zechariah was understanding God's moving. He's finally moved. Something is starting to happen. And as Gentiles in the 21st century, we don't get a lot of that language that the angel used with Zechariah. But he was using a lot of language that Zechariah understood was things are starting to happen in preparation for the Messiah to come. And our son is going to be a part of that. This is more than just I get my prayer answered that we get a son even though we've been childless for decades. This is bigger than that. This baby is actually the one who's to come in front of the Messiah. And if that baby's coming, then that means the Messiah is coming. God's Savior. And everything we've been worried and discouraged about for the last lifetimes, it's starting to change. God's moving. Now people doubt after 400 years, I think we all need to be honest. We'd be a little bit, really? Are you, I, come on, are you sure? I mean, it's been 400 years. Why me? Why now? So you need to go back and read because Zechariah gets into trouble because he doubts. Zechariah asks the angel of the Lord, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel Gets a little frustrated and says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you, tell you this good news. Doubt me. Now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you didn't believe my words. Which will come true at their proper time. So Zechariah loses his voice and can't even tell people what happened. Because he doubted. I think a lot of us would doubt. After 400 years, that God would really move. But he did. And he doesn't just move in that one way. In chapter 1, there's the next movement. And that happens to a young girl. Jump down to verse 26. We'll read through verse 33 But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God moves in a second way. Elizabeth becomes pregnant and John is to be born, who will be in front of and announcing the coming of the Messiah. And now with Mary, the very Messiah is to be born. To her credit, she doesn't doubt like Zechariah, And maybe that was part of the character and, and spiritual depth that God saw in her that said, This woman is worthy of raising my son. She just says, okay, whatever you want to do, God, I'm here for you. Use me. And of course he does, and Mary becomes pregnant. But the second time, in a matter of months, the silence is over. And God begins to move, and things start happening. You know, in all the movies where there's that earthquake and the first things just start shaking a little bit. Some notice it, some don't. And then suddenly it becomes obvious and nobody can avoid seeing it and noticing it. Well, that's what's happening here, just a little bit of shaking. But just those little first events confirm that message that we wanted to believe and that is that it's all true. It's not just in history. It's Star Wars is fiction. We all know that. But the story we're talking about is not fiction. When God awakens, real miracles start to happen. Those things which others would say are impossible, they start to happen. The impossible becomes possible. The very stars start moving in the heavens. And we know that's going to happen in a few months, isn't it? Because God is alive and well, and he is not not caring about us. He's just waiting for the right time and the right circumstances and the right pieces to be in place. And then he moves. Christmas happens. And the very thing in 6 BC people would have said, never in my lifetime. I mean, look how long we've waited. Never now. Someday, maybe. Never now. Probably how a lot of us think about the second coming, isn't it? It's not that we doubt it'll happen, but now, yeah, probably not. And then things start happening. And it is now. And the Messiah is coming. God keeps his promise and that which seems impossible dealing with mighty Rome and all their gods is no challenge for our God. 90 year old people having babies, not a problem for God. Having a baby that survives Herod trying to wipe it out, not a problem for God. Having a baby with no army who can conquer the world, not a problem for God. That story is not just for history. It's not just for us to read about back then. There's a lesson in this story of Christmas coming and God keeping His promise and God not forgetting that we all need to hear because it teaches us about who our God is and what we can expect from Him in our lives. God is alive, and he does hear, and he does care, just as he heard the cries of all of those people in 4 B.C. And the decades and centuries before them. If God is waiting, if God is silent, it is not because he does not care. That's what Satan wants to whisper in our ears. What it is, is that God is working and doing things that we may not see and we may not understand, but He is working. And and we could take a whole other sermon to talk about how Paul says, at just the right time, when everything was ready and prepared, Jesus came. God moved. Books have been written about how this was exactly the perfect time for Jesus to come. The political situations, the economic situations, the language, travel, on and on. Had Jesus come earlier when they wanted him to come, things wouldn't have been ready. Now, that's not comforting if it's us. And God says, I'm sorry I can't answer your prayer just yet. But what we have to reassure ourselves with is it is because he is getting something ready. It is for good reasons he is waiting. Not just because he says, I just want to see you suffer for a while. Is it hot in the sun? Let me watch you sweat. That's not what God is like. But he does say, I won't rush this and give you a half-finished plan. I won't waste all this effort if things aren't ready just because you're getting impatient. You've got to trust me. He is good. And he does care. And he is hearing. But he is also working in sometimes ways we don't see. Where he's actually sometimes not just getting things ready out there and working in other lives. Sometimes it's in our lives. Things we need to see or learn or deal with or whatever. And for all of these things, he may be working that we don't see. But the one thing we know is that he does care. And his plans are good. And he is listening. And he will come through and fulfill his promises to take care of us and be with us. That we can count on. So what about you? What do you think about God awakening? Where do you stand there? Are you on the hope side? Are you on the skeptical side? I hope you'll be on the hope side. Because the message of Christmas, as those babies come to life, as Christ comes, God is alive. God is alive and well. God is caring. He comes to us. And he works when everything is just right. His better plan, better than any plans we've come up with, he knows exactly what to do and when to do it. And that's the message of Christmas, when God awakens. Let's pray. Father, sometimes it's hard for any of us to hope. Circumstances get difficult. We struggle. Satan gets us to be discouraged, to feel alone, that you don't care. And I'm sure that's hard for you to hear from our mouths and our heads. But may the Christmas story this year be a reminder to us that you are alive and that you do care and that when things are right, you will move in a way beyond what we could ask or imagine. May the birth of Jesus remind us of that and how you brought him to earth and all the circumstances we're going to look at and hear about this season. May they all cause us to stand in awe of you And the kind of God that you are, and may they reassure us that you are listening, you do care, and you will work for us. I pray this in your Son's name. Amen.